We got a little bone to pick with the programming department. Would it kill you every once in a while to play a little fog hat? Fog hat? Am I am I confusing my days? It's our last live day of the week. Oh, okay. Week, so I figured we'd play it now. We got our we got our regular old fog hat Christmas song. Going. A little early. Aggression is. Can you think yes. of an example? Like, give me a microaggression. Oh, no, I can't think of an example right oh, now. Um, no, I had to look it up because I I think that the uh, internet's definition of microaggression is a little bit different. But it would be like if I said about your coffee, like, oh, is there cream in that coffee, Nicole? I thought you were trying to lose weight. Good one. You know, something like that. Uh, according to the internet. A microaggression is usually reserved for people of color, which I disagree with. I think that's a little strange. Um, I also just disagree with the concept of microaggression altogether. But according to the definition online is a statement, action or incident regarded as an instance of indirect, subtle or unintentional discrimination against members of a marginalized group. And I uh, Googled examples. And so one might be complimenting a person on their English, even if that person was raised in the United States because they're not uh, a person of because they're because they're not white. But I wanted to uh, John Curley. John, are you yes. here? Hello, yes. darling. Yes. What Hello. Do, why don't you give me an example of a microaggression? Um, Hit me with it. Well, it'd be like uh, if somebody were this is a I don't think anybody says this sort of stuff anymore, but like um, uh, you are a credit to your race or you are. I'll give you a classic. Here's one. So Joe Biden discover, uh, describing uh, Barack Obama. He's clean, articulate. Uh, and uh, I forget the other way that he described Barack Obama in, was in 2008. But like if you're uh, asking an Asian person to help you with math or a science problem, that would be considered a microaggression. Microaggression. A, a white man or a woman. Uh, clutching her purse and checking the wallet as if a black or la- uh, Latino approaches and passes. Um, as a woman, I know you're going through a lot of, uh, well, you know, you get the general idea. I do. It's things that you didn't mean to offend somebody. You just thought you'd ask something, and then all of a sudden they can be micro-aggressed. They could be micro-hurt. This comes <laughs> up, Brandy, because uh, the federal government has, under the Rescue America Act, which is basically Bury Amer- uh, America Under More Debt Act, Included in that was funding to the University of Washington Mm -hmm. to be able to develop AI that would be able to look at social media posts and look for things like bias, microaggressions, um, words that are not supposed to be used. And I guess it would catch them. I don't know what the implication would be after the AI identifies it, either blocking or changing or whatever else they would do with it. But it will be able to have the certain words that will be used and other words that will not be allowed to be used. Yeah, this is insane. So it was, um, like you said, it's from the American Rescue Plan, which was $1.9 trillion. If you're curious where some of that money went to. So, yeah, the uh, researchers at the University of Washington, they've already received $132,000 to fund this work. They're going to get an additional Mm -hmm. $550,000 over the next five years.
to develop machine learning models that can analyze your social media posts to detect implicit bias and microaggressions. Mm-hmm. I guess the question would be, you know, let's say they develop this. Who, who would they sell it to? Because if it's Elon Musk's Twitter, he ain't going to buy it. No. Well, it would. Uh, the government could possibly use it. Um, it could go just about anywhere it needs to go, because really you're talking about the control of language. You're talking about the control of thought. So we learned uh, earlier this week that the University of Stanford has decided there's a whole bunch of words and expressions you're not allowed to say anymore. I know you guys covered that. Like, for instance, you're not allowed to say uh uh, geez, that's like beating a dead horse. You don't let us say that because somehow that causes people to think it's okay to beat animals or something like that. The word master bedroom, of course, is not allowed to be used anymore. You can't use the word, hey, guys, let's all go down to the down to the soda shop and get ourselves a cherry phosphate. You can't say that. You have to, um, what are you supposed to use? And not allowed to use men or women. I think it's supposed to be folks or people. Can't anyway, they American, got a whole yeah. list of just yeah. nutty, nutty. You're thinking, wow, it's amazing how they're they're doing all of this to protect people. The idea that people are so weak, so vulnerable, the greatest generation, this could be the weakest generation, if you have to take these words and remove the words because someone might be hurt by them. And that's the idea that words are violence and therefore we need to control words just like we control guns and other things like that. Well, and there's been criticism, obviously, of this. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton says this is um, basically like the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to censor speech that's not approved by the state. And the uh, uh, project researcher um, at the UW is pushing back against that, saying that all they're doing is creating, quote, automated ways of identifying biases in speech and addressing the biases of human content, content moderators. So they're saying that even humans who are looking specifically for coded or racist language microaggressions, their biases might even be impacting what they <laughs> what they flag. So we can't even trust them. We need some AI to really, really dig deep to make sure we get every last possible offensive thing. Well, you know, I, George, George Orwell's 1984, I always bring it up on my show, and I always think, like, that Orwell must be like, look at that. I was right. I was right. I mean, some of that was somebody just sort of making it up as always going along. But Newspeak was this whole part of George Orwell's dystopian society where they are removing words. And at one point, there's a piece in the book where the guy goes, destroying language feels wonderful. Eventually, the dictionary will be this big. And he sort of puts his fingers up and it's, you know, no more than like a sixteenth of an inch that you don't need all those words because all those words are bourgeois or all those words are words that other people use to show that they're smarter than somebody else. And we're going to just make it as dumb it down as we possibly can so that one group doesn't feel as if it's disadvantaged. I mean, Newspeak was like just this nutty. Remember how they put the words together? Good, good and very good. And there was no they didn't want anybody to feel bad about somebody having something else that somebody else didn't have. I mean, this is exactly what we see. Like, for instance, the Marines just announced today or yesterday. uh, No, sir. Yes, sir. (laughs) No, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Not allowed to say that. Off limits. (laughs) And how about the woman in the U.K.? I think it was yesterday or two days ago or something. She's standing uh, in front of an abortion clinic there in the UK. She's not, she has no signs. She has no, nothing, no posters, nothing. Just standing there on the sidewalk, 
doing nothing. The police come up to her and ask her, what is she doing here? She says, I'm standing here. Are you praying? And she says, I am in my head. I am praying. And then they warn her again, you know, anything you say can be used against you. And then at that point, they put her in handcuffs after frisking her and take her away. So what should we make of the fact that you've got, and I totally agree with you, I mean, you have this uber-sensitive generation that we're raising right now, and we're we're preventing them from even having to be faced with something that could possibly offend them, so they can learn how to to deal with something that's said to them that might actually be offensive. It's it's wild. But what should we make of the fact that here you have taxpayer dollars at the federal government level um, that we're supposed to uh, believe are part of... um, the American Rescue Plan, which I thought was to recover from COVID, right, Um, that are going to the University of Washington, and you have researchers at a publicly funded university that are spending time on something like this. Well, what are we supposed to do? I mean, this is just a small slice. Mm -hmm. It's like if you... The old thing of the the old fish swims by the two young fish and says, hey, how's the water today? And the two young fish turn around and say, the what? But they don't even know they're in it. I mean, isn't this the same government that has the FBI receiving Hunter Biden's laptop December 2019, has it for an entire year, and then throughout the entire year does everything it possibly can to sort of pave the way, the groundwork, so when they finally ask Twitter not to do anything about it, they have direct influence on our elections. I mean, that's the federal government's use of the power of the, of the FBI to stop language, to stop thought. Um, and for all of us to all of a sudden believe that that person right there is a woman, that's not a woman. That's a person who believes they are a woman, but that's not a woman. But the federal government, CDC, uses the word people, people having babies. And uh, man, uh, was it uh, male breastfeeding or whatever? Like dogs are so upset. They're about, excited. About they don't that. even know what you're saying. They're like, why are you uh, speaking no. English? John, but on that end, you know, and I think you alluded to it there. When you look at all this stuff, you know, um, the the chest feeding and the um, yeah. gender or uh, birthing people and you were just talked about with the Marines. No, yes, sir. No, yes, ma'am. Are we are they building up to something? Is it is it a conscious building up to something? Um, I I have to tell you, I don't have much time I have to to yeah, share time. this. OK, there is a great book that I'm um almost finished and it's called the 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 um the rise and triumph of the modern self it's by carl truman and he looks goes back about 300 years and he's trying to figure out what how have we gotten to the place we are now the questions that you're asking and truman looks and he says what has happened was and the best part of the book i just stopped and stood there and just listened to it here it is i'll try to do it in one minute so Karl Marx comes up with this idea that the people are going to rise up, the proletariat are going to rise up and realize, you know what, it's in our best interest to not be working for the man. So let's rise up. Well, the problem is Marx didn't realize how, what's going to sort of initiate that. That's they don't understand. They have to be con. They have to a concept of themselves and something better. So they weren't rising up. Then they realized here's the problem. There's a system above these people that's sort of somehow culturally indoctrinating them. So 
that they don't see there's something else out there. And they decided, Marx and then the Frankfurt School in 1928 said, you know what it is? We think it's the family. The family is part of the thing that is suppressing the people. If we can break the nuclear family, if we can pull that apart, then we can we can help people be better educated. So really what you're seeing is the destruction of a nuclear family so that the state can have more power and more control. And I, you know, it's unbelievably simple when you see it laid out. I mean, there's all sorts of great studies that, that will speak directly to it. And if you went on the old Black Lives Matter website, it used to say right on there, one of the big things they wanted to do was break the nuclear family Correct. and the patriarchal structure of that family where the man's in charge of the kids and the wife, you know, has to do the all the tasks that the male puts in place so they want to break that apart and allow the state to have control well i love that so. that some, there's people who think those are the only two options like i'm sorry but i'm in a uh traditional relationship and i can promise you that i'm not cooking and cleaning and doing the laundry no. and all of that right. stuff it's just funny how they think that that's like the only two options either you have this very traditional relationship or you gotta just have no no nuclear family at all and it's bad for you it's ridiculous well that's the binary world right. of oppressors and oppressed the victims and the victimizers right you you have to have, be a one side or the other and you're determined to be either the oppressed or the oppressor based upon the color of your skin or whatever else it is that's some arbitrary indicator as to who needs to be helped and who needs to be hurt yeah so, wow uh, heavy stuff heavy, heavy stuff, stuff on a thursday i love it you know on a lighter note so you were in here oh. the other day you uh-huh. were you were in here the other day and i was doing the big lead and you came in to charge mm. your phone which i'm glad mm-hmm. because i is that your phone charger i just used it um so you were in here to charge your phone and i was like well yes. you know john curley's in here he's in Long front of a mic here. let's yes. and i'm sitting here trying to compliment you speaking of someone who's just um triggered all the time and easily offended <laughs> you didn't you wanted nothing to do with my compliments of your outfit why are you so um, sensitive john curley it was diminishing me to nothing more than just a piece of meat. And just I'm tired his looks. of being treated that way. <laughs> yeah, I'm more than I'm more than just a sixty year old guy with fading good looks. Come on now. Yeah. Okay, first so, of all. And I'm a little to- sensitive because I had all this filler done on my face. <laughs> my doctor took a picture of me before. She goes, hey, you're a little gaunt, you're a little thinned out. I look at him like Good Lord, look at me. Oh, I, no, you look horrible. Man. And then she injected all of this stuff. What is that stuff they stick in there? A filler? Anyway. I don't know what it's made out of. Uh, whatever it is. All right, it took 10 years off me. So I'm a little, you know, a little, a little sensitive and... And once you getting all randy, looking over. Randy. Like hey, I'm a happily engaged woman. However, um, you know, I, this is one of the things, speaking of, you know, like, just nobody can take a joke anymore or take a compliment or anything like that. Uh-huh. I... I experienced this recently. So I went, I set out at the beginning of November to lose my COVID weight because I'm like, okay, at some point I cannot call it my COVID weight anymore. It's been three uh-huh. years. And so I lost a lot of weight really quickly. I like really, you know, committed to it. And, you know, a month and a half goes by and I was like 20 pounds down. And I'm like, nobody right, has good. complimented my my uh-huh. weight loss. And so I was doing this interview for my podcast and this I had on, I won't say his name, but uh, uh, it was a male guest. And uh-huh. before we got started, we were just talking about things and somehow what I was eating for lunch came up and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm on a you know pretty strict diet right now. And he said, oh, I wanted to say something. You look really good, but I didn't want to offend you. And I'm just yes. like, I love compliments. No, I mean, because it, no, because in order to say, wow, you've lost 
lot of weight, what you're saying, the alternative and the unspoken is, wow, you weighed a lot. So Am I the only the, one who that doesn't bother? I worked hard. I, I want somebody you, to, you're to from notice. South Dakota or Wyoming Minnesota. or some state. Nobody, whatever. <laughs> and no, it's like the same thing. It's, it's you can't win. Do these See, jeans I think... make me, do these jeans make me look fat? How you can't answer that question? I don't it's ask a question like that. Thing. It's no. the fear of microaggression. No, I, I, I tell think... people they look good if they've lost weight yes. because I love to hear that as well. But I definitely think that that's the fear that we've installed in people's these little uh, microaggressions like that. Well, it's also that you can't compliment a woman because that's sexist or demeaning. It's like, I'm not saying I want to be catcalled when I'm walking down Fifth Avenue. <laughs> but if somebody tells me, if I'm out and some guy goes, wow, you look you're, you look really the beautiful tonight. I say you thank you. Mm-hmm. I always say no, thank you. We watched, remember Cairo made us watch those videos. <laughs> you can't say anything. Hey, you know, hey, Helen, that's a pretty sweater you have on. On. No. <laughs> and then you're like, what should John have said in order to compliment <laughs> Helen's sweater? I'm like, don't say anything. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't have, have confessed on the air that I was like trying really hard to beat you over the head with a compliment about your outfit. And you were you were obviously very outfit. uncomfortable. Wait, what you outfit? I have a sweater on. You were obviously very <laughs> uncomfortable and I just kept pushing. So I guess Bonneville's going to be Marin, HR. Marin. <laughs> All right, John Curley. I was told I I really screwed up earlier because apparently I was supposed to play. He is the best of all the auctioneers. Great joy. You know, oh, when God. I go to an auction and it's not you, you know how deeply disappointed I am. <laughs> You and everybody else. It's just not even the same. It's not even the same. That's a whole different show. All right, John Curley. Well, I appreciate it. And hey, um, next time I try to give you a compliment, just take it, okay? I will accept it. (laughs) Merry Christmas. You look wonderful, by the way. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate that. All right, that's John Curley. Thank you so much. And that has been The Big Lead this hour. The Big Lead on Cairo Radio. Coming up, we're going to talk about what's happening at the southern border. And um, apparently, not a lot of news outlets want to talk about that. But Arizona, remember they put up those, uh, they're like, well, we're not going to wait for the federal government to secure the border. So they put up those shipping containers. Well, the shipping containers have to go down. Poor Governor Ducey. We'll discuss that coming up on the big show. Brandy Cruz filling in. Oh, this one's a good one. See, but this is unfair because this just makes me want to be on the beach with a Corona under a palm tree that has a couple Christmas lights in it. I've never been to Hawaii. Ever? Ever. When I say never, that means ever. Um, Never, ever. It's it's really expensive to visit, isn't it? No. I mean, it can be, but you can, you know, you can... Travel like Nicole, <laughs> or you can travel like Brandy. When you travel like Nicole, Brandy, it's expensive. Hey, if you let me book it, it won't be expensive. You know, do we need to talk about the time you booked <laughs> us a hotel room in South Padre Island, Texas? It was just for two nights. Oh my God, I let Nicole take over the booking. We went to South Padre for our friend's bachelorette party. But it was just you the will two admit it was before. a dump. Oh yeah, for sure it was. It was a dump, but it didn't look like that on the website. The, the website made it look better, but we got there and I was genuinely—it's maybe the only time in my life where I thought 
I would take a hit on this to book a room somewhere else. I know. It was pretty bad, but it's actually an interesting area where there's not a lot of new hotels. Like, it's a lot of older hotels. Yeah. We found some places that were updated for later once everybody joined us. But for the most part, there's not a lot of new construction down there. I mean, forgive me for if I go on vacation. I want to stay someplace where I just feel relaxed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, the border wall situation is obviously out of control. Anyone with, uh, like I say, you don't even have to have two eyes. You could just have one can see that that's a, a crisis. And we've been playing some clips this week of Corinne Jean-Pierre downplaying the situation at the southern border, saying, oh, no, people aren't just walking across. And then MSNBC, yeah, actually, people are just walking across. Do you not watch the news? Uh, so as you know, some of these southern states, they were trying to take matters into their own hands to deal with some of these to, to basically up security at the southern border and deal with some of these gaps in the border wall. You know, I always laugh at Democrats who try to act like building a wall isn't going to fix the problem. Now, I agree that it doesn't fix the problem, but to act as if it doesn't help is ridiculous to me. Of course it helps. Are, are people going to find a way around? Of course they are. But any obstacle you can put in the path of someone who's trying to come into this country illegally surreptitiously is a good thing. And I always just, it's so disingenuous tackling. It's not. So as you know, some of these Southern states, they tried to take matters into their own hands when the Biden administration just wasn't finishing these gaps in the border wall as they promised they would. And so Arizona was one of the states that started putting up and stacking these shipping containers along non-finished parts of the wall. They they stacked them like three high. They put razor wire at the top of them. And of course that's going to help. It makes it more difficult for someone to cross in the middle of the desert or wherever it is. Well, um, the Biden administration uh, went and tried to take action against the state of Arizona for doing that. And uh, now Arizona and Governor Ducey, who's going to be out of office soon, of course, um, has to has agreed that they are going to take these shipping containers down. Which I just think is so apparently the issue that the Biden administration has is that they're on some of these um, shipping container border walls are on national forest land. So there's this whole ongoing thing in U.S. District Court. And as part of it, Arizona agreed it would stop construction of these, you know, makeshift border walls on national forest lands and it would um, uninstall. All previously installed shipping containers, other equipment that was part of it. They will remove it. Which to me, and, and the, the government, the federal government saying it's about damaging U.S. natural resources. And I tend to think it's less about that and more about they don't like the state going in and doing this of their own accord. But you have to think for the state, like, it's already in place. You're really going to make them take it down? That doesn't make any sense to me. And it just, and I saw this clip. Um... Gosh, where is it? Oh, Senator John Kennedy. Um, he was talking about Biden's handling of the border. And I think that this just really perfectly speaks to the fact that Arizona has to just the the little efforts that it was trying to make on its own has to totally unravel them. Here's Senator John Kennedy um, in his assessment of Biden's handling of the crisis at the border. I think the president has misread the American people. Um. And he's better than that. He's certainly more intelligent than that. The American people support immigration. Uh, Every year, America welcomes about a million of our world's neighbors to become American citizens. That's more than any other country in the world. Uh, But the American people do not support illegal immigration. 
For one thing, when you ask an ordinary American, well, why don't you support illegal immigration? They look at you and say, well, because it's illegal. Duh. It's against the law. We thought what you folks in Washington were supposed to do is uphold the rule of law. But the second thing Americans will tell you is something to the effect of, look, here's how we view the southern border. We view the southern border like we view the front door of our home. We, most Americans say, lock our front door at home at night. We don't do that because we hate everybody on the outside. We do that because we love the people on the inside. Such a good point. And we'd like to know, as a practical matter, and a matter of public safety and our own safety, who's coming in and out of our home. Common sense. And I think that's uh, that's the way the American people view the southern border. border. Mm-hmm. And I think President Biden is making and has been making and continues to make a huge mistake. But I confess, it is a mystery to me. Nobody is this incompetent. It has to be intentional. Now, that's quite a statement saying that as far as the President Biden is concerned, no one is this incompetent. It has to be intentional. And I have to admit, I mean, I don't believe that, but I do believe incompetence and aptitude it plays a, a huge role in it. When you listen to Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, stumbling over very simple questions about, you know, when is Biden going to visit the southern border, for instance? Uh, when you look at the extent to which he's um, tried to avoid it and all the excuses they made, like, oh, it'll mess up traffic you know, for him to go down there, just dumb, dumb stuff like that. And then any sort of lack of acknowledgement of how serious things are. You know, I have a friend down at the southern border right now, Allie Bradley, who I worked with at Fox 13. Now she's a reporter for News Nation. And just to look at some of the things that she captures on camera and to square that with what the administration says about immigration, it's completely gaslighting. And one more thing, if I can, really quickly, this whole issue of Title 42, So I will have, I think, an unpopular opinion on this that certainly isn't in line with a lot of conservatives and Republicans on this issue. So Title 42, you'll recall, the CDC issued that order essentially to reduce um, the number of migrants entering the country illegally during COVID-19 because obviously we had a health emergency. And so Title 42 was designed to say, okay, we're in the middle of an outbreak. Um, We're trying to stop these people from coming into the United States in the middle of an outbreak. So a lot of Republicans want Title 42 left in place until there is some greater solution at the southern border. I vehemently disagree with that. First of all, Title 42 isn't a solution to the situation at the southern border. And I think that we have to be very morally consistent on these pandemic-era restrictions. You know, Republicans for a long time have railed against pandemic-era mandates, against keeping, you know, for instance, the state of emergency in place longer than it needed to be in place. And I think you have to be consistent on that issue. I think keeping Title 42 in place when it was a pandemic-era mandate is is flying in the face of everything that Republicans say they have believed in this overreach of government. Now, I understand that removing Title 42 is going to make an already bad situation at the southern border even worse. But to me, that's not an excuse for allowing this overreach from the pandemic. So Title 42 is not a solution to the situation at the southern border. We need to figure out what to do about the crisis. But allowing a COVID-era mandate to linger 
is not a solution that's in line with what a lot of us have been saying about overreach during the pandemic. So I just vehemently disagree with the assertion that Title 42 should remain in place. We need something in place, but it should not be something that was tied to a pandemic that no longer exists. All right, coming up, awesome audio clips of the day. Brandy Cruz filling in for my friend Dory Monson on this Christmas week. It's time for the finale. Orchestra. My, my. The snow is getting deeper in December. Oh, yeah. We'll have to get to Grandma's That's the Cairo Radio Orchestra. I hear Dave Ross's voice in there. And now, Nicole, as we listen to this, I'm going to be back on Monday, but tomorrow there's... No, you're not going to be back on Monday. You're going to be back on Tuesday. Oh, Tuesday, I guess. Thanks for telling me. I I would have come. Tuesday. Yeah, so we get a four-day weekend. Oh, yes. Tomorrow's our Christmas Eve holiday. And And so what will people be able to enjoy during the Dory Monson show tomorrow? I believe it's something like this. Holiday programming from Cairo Radio. I mean, this is really well produced. They did this in the studio here? I thought, yeah. Wow. And I thought we had gotten rid of the goose story for good, but apparently not. Coming back. Okay. So I haven't heard the goose story, but apparently Dory told a terrible story about a goose. (laughs) And I see messages about it on the text line. It's not the most heartwarming story. I don't expect Dory to be heartwarming. <laughs> he attempted and failed, in my opinion. I'll have to go uh, listen to that. But Make we need your own to um, tomorrow. pause the uh, the Christmas music because I need to talk about something that's very, very unchristlike, and that is sex dungeons. So let's get right <laughs> to our awesome audio clips of the day. This is Dory Monson's awesome audio clips of the day. Don't act all innocent in this, Nicole. You chose, you selected this story, uh, which takes us to, surprise, surprise, Florida, where all weird stories like this happen. So there was, and I'm not convinced, this is obviously to me like a prank. Oh, I mean, I'm sure yeah, that right, but it actually happened. are looking for attention, correct. Yeah. So there is a um, city council meeting afoot in Florida, and all of a sudden, these three people walk in. They're like... Basically, look, they're almost dressed like um, futuristic knights in shining armor almost. Is that a fair assessment? Um, But when you look a little closer, it's bondage gear. So you've got this one (laughs) blonde chick and she's like head to toe in black latex. Mm -hmm. And then all you see are her lips and she's got her blonde ponytail sticking out the top of this black latex in this sleek ponytail. And then she's flanked by these two other women that are kind of like, it looks like armor, basically, but it's very tight. They've got these corsets on. It's like this super uh, super uh, uh, futuristic look. Like mirrored faces. Mirrored faces. Very interesting. So they walk in high heels and everything into this Florida uh, City Commission. And they are there to apparently try to encourage this Florida City Council to spend a little of the extra money it has laying around on a sex dungeon for doms and submissives. I am here standing neutral to the motion approving an agreement for the proprietary purchase of yard waste processing and disposal. I do, however, find it interesting that you will spend almost $1 million to hide your secrets down the drain. 
hiding that condom I know you used to cheat on your spouse with. So I propose that you use a quarter of that mill to support doms and subs in Broward County Mm. to build a dungeon created for us by us, the taxpayers and voting citizens. In closing, do not let this glamorous look distract you from doing your duty to take my demand. I look forward to spanking each and every single one of you at the new esteemed dungeon. You are dismissed. Okay, thank you. And happy holidays to you. (laughs) Anyone else wish to speak? There being none. uh, City manager, are there any districts that have a dungeon? Not that I know of. Okay, just wanted to <laughs> I love any wishes. Merry Christmas to you. All right, really quickly, uh, KWWL sports guy drew the uh, short straw this morning in Iowa. Ends up getting assigned to go out to cover the weather. His name is Mark Woodley. And let's just say he was not too happy with it. How are you feeling out there? Uh, again, uh, the same way I felt about eight minutes ago when you asked me that same question. Right? I normally do sports. Uh, everything is canceled here for the next couple of days. So... Tune in for the next couple hours to watch me progressively get crankier and crankier. How do I get that uh, Storm Chaser 7 duty? I I feel like Clint got the uh, better end of that deal. You know, that thing's heated. Um, The outdoors currently is not heated. The good news is that I can still feel my face right now. The bad news is I kind of wish I couldn't. Compared to two and a half hours ago, it is just getting colder and colder live in waterloo for the last time this morning thankfully i'm mark woodley new seven kwwl bless your heart mark woodley kwwl sports guy out in the weather that's it i gotta get out of here brandy cruz filling in for my friend dory monts and merriest of christmases to all of you and we'll see you back here i'll see you back here on tuesday in the meantime holiday programming and coming up next john curley and sherry elliger Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. You're really a fantastic audience.